0: You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. You know, God has always intended for his people to enjoy abundant life in relationship with him, hasn't he? If, if you've been with us at all this year, as we've gone on our God's story journey, you would have seen this highlighted over and over and over again. This was always God's plan for us, for his creation, mankind, to enjoy with him right from the very beginning, for man to actually be close to God, intimate with God, to enjoy fulfilling, rich, genuine relationship with their creator. And as I've shared over the last couple of messages, God's heart hasn't changed. God's heart hasn't changed at all. This continues to be, and will always continue to be, his desire for each and every one of us. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to explore a, a really key passage in the New Testament, and it's from John chapter 10, to discover firstly what abundant life is, what it's actually not, and will also be Encouraged in how we can continue on this abundant life without getting caught up in destructive traps that rob us of the very thing that we're designed for. Sound good? All right, let's pray as we dig into God's word together today. Your loving God, we praise you so much. We thank you that you are our good, good father. You are a faithful and generous and patient and eternally loving God. We've seen that on our journey this year through Scripture. And we continue to see this as we we spend time in the New Testament and look and marvel at who you were, Jesus, the, the wonderful teaching you brought, the profound, radically different way of life you offer people. And so, God, we pray today that as we come around your word that you would speak to each of our hearts, that you would bring insights, you would bring revelation, that you would make personal heart transformation occur in each and every one of us today. We know you can do that, God. No man can do that. No eloquence of words could possibly do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, come and move and minister as you see fit. May you make us more like your son today. Through your word we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, well, it's a bit, a bit on theme with today, but last week I, I mentioned how Jesus served and continues to serve us as a shepherd who has prayed this morning as well. You know, Isaiah, we looked at last week, he prophesied long ago that this would be the very role that Jesus, the Messiah, would do. And then in John 10, Jesus describes his shepherding role, referring to himself metaphorically as being the good shepherd. Now, we're not gonna explore the full passage in great detail today, but I encourage you, have a read of John chapter 1 to 19 for yourself sometime this week. In this passage, Jesus explains how he is the door of the sheep, the way through which people must go if they are to find and enjoy life now and for eternity. Let's just read John chapter 10, verse 7 to nine, seven and 9. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. In many ways, what, what Jesus is saying here kind of parallels what we've been focusing on. In the last in recent weeks you know jesus invitation to follow him and jesus invitation to actually come to him you know you want to find life want to be saved and find pasture with god enter through the door enter through faith in jesus christ yeah and so jesus goes on to describe in multiple ways how he will go on to serve people, how he has served us on this side of history as the good shepherd. In this, this passage, you know, think about it. Jesus has served us, verses 11 and 15, by laying down his very life for us. Here's what he, what he says. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In verse 15, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. The good shepherd gave his very life for us. And then verse 14 to 15, the good shepherd restores relationship for us to enjoy with God. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. Wow. The good shepherd opens the way for us to know And enjoy relationship with God and intimacy, genuine intimacy with our maker. And verse 16, and this is good news for likely many of us here. Jesus is the good shepherd and he draws Gentiles, non-Jewish believers, to faith. Verse 16, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Isn't Jesus a great shepherd? I think good's a bit of an understatement. He's a great shepherd. The good shepherd made the way for non-Jewish people, many of us here today, Gentiles, to be saved and adopted into his very own family. And now, in the middle of this passage, Jesus says some words that may be new to you if you're seeking spiritual truth today. Or... Maybe if you've known Jesus for a while these might be very familiar to you. But they're very important words to consider and reflect on, and they are the words recorded in John 10:10. 10, 10. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, "The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly." The thief, that's Satan comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus, our good shepherd, came that day that we, might have life and have it abundantly. Now we'll come back to Satan later because he doesn't deserve to go first, does he? Let's start by defining what Jesus means when he talks of giving us life and life abundantly or in abundance, some translations. The word Translated in our Bibles as abundant is the Greek word perison, which means exceedingly, over and above, more than is necessary, extraordinary, uncommon, superfluous, more than what one would expect or anticipate. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? That sounds remarkable. Clearly, Jesus is promising us a life far better than we could ever dream of, better than we could ever imagine. And sometimes when many of us, we think about a life better than we could imagine, our minds are immediately filled with earthly ideas of abundance. Or am I only the only sinful one here who ever thinks like that? things that Jesus doesn't guarantee are going to be ours in this life. With our, you know, very westernised, affluent, attuned ears, we can all too easily hear Jesus talk about an abundance in life and think of things like wealth, property, cars, power, earthly positions, all the earthly treasures that perhaps we'd love have and hold. But this isn't what Jesus is getting at here when he invites us to find abundant life in him. Friends, nowhere in scripture, let's just be clear, because if you turn on some Christian TV stations, they'll be telling you a different message. But let's just be clear on this. Nowhere does the Bible promise that any of us will have all or even any of these things or suggest that even having these things are a sign of God's blessing on your life, or favour, with, or, or even spiritual maturity. Nowhere does scripture even suggest that. There are way too many false teachers out there who are spouting this kind of rubbish as truth. That's a bit straight, but the Bible says to be straight when it comes to false teachers. So I want to encourage you, friends, do your walk. Do your own relationship with Jesus a favour. If you hear any well-known preacher or televangelist saying something like this, recognise it for what it is. It's a lie. It's a distortion of the truth. They're twisting the word of God, likely, sadly, for selfish gain. They're pushing false teaching. You know, if anything... We read, we read the scriptures and we discover that God's not so much concerned about what earthly treasures we may or may not have as much as he is with the spiritual treasures that we're taking hold of and seeking and pursuing. Yeah? Our spiritual state. God's not concerned with our outward appearance. God's concerned with the state of our hearts. He's concerned primarily with our heart and our desire, our willingness... To enjoy and pursue relationship with Him. You know, there's plenty of examples we could look to to kind of disprove that kind of false teaching, but you, know, you only need to look at Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 6, 25 to 32. That's the passage where it's talking about the birds of the air and the, the, the flowers of the field. And Jesus teaches that, you know, these things, they get provided for. Why would we need to worry? Surely I'm going to provide for everything you guys need. You're far more precious to me than the flowers of the field and the birds of the air. You know, he—he's saying we don't need to worry about what we'll eat, what we'll wear, because God is Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. He will provide for everything—not necessarily everything that we want, but every single thing that we could ever possibly need in our life as we trust him and look to him to provide. You know, think about the type of life that Jesus lived while he was on Earth. If, a, if abundant life equaled an abundance of material things, you'd think Jesus would have pretty well everything, wouldn't he? You think you'd read the Gospels and it'd be like, "Wow, Jesus, it's a pretty fancy, pretty fancy camel you got there?" So it's, it's a pretty fancy meal you're having on, on, um, on this special meal. You'd think he'd be the wealthiest man who ever lived. You'd think he would have lived a life with heaps of material treasures. And yet, Scripture tells us that the very opposite is true. Jesus, Scripture said, didn't even have a place to lay his head. Like, that's how he was. Jesus says this to a, to a scribe who was basically going, is it worth me following you? That's pretty well what this scribe was doing. Reading Matthew 8, 18 to 20. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, well, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. You know, in other words, Jesus is saying, hey, my friend, you are welcome to follow me. I, I long that you would wholeheartedly follow me. But don't follow me expecting to receive worldly honours, worldly riches, possessions, wealth. I don't promise those kind of riches to those who follow me. And you know, you only have to think of the Apostle Paul to see that he, didn't, he certainly didn't experience abundant life with Christ in the form of earthly treasures. Here's how he puts it in his own words in Philippians 4. 12 to 13, his experience of following Jesus. He says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And here's the key, friends. I can do, or other translations, endure. I can endure all things through him who strengthens me. You know, Paul certainly went without in his walk with Jesus, but, you know, he was shipwrecked. He was uh, attempts at his life. You know, he faced some genuine challenges and hardships and he lived a a life on the road where he didn't have the luxuries of many um, other people in society, but he was truly blessed in his life. He enjoyed and he took hold of with both hands the abundant life with Jesus, the spiritually full and rich life, because he kept close to Jesus. He was strengthened by Jesus, and he trusted that Jesus would be faithful in providing for him every single thing that he would need. Friends, when, when Jesus talks about abundant life, he's talking about a life of spiritual abundance, of spiritual and relational abundance in Him, through Him. A life of meaning, a life of purpose, a life of intimacy, an ever-deepening relationship with God. That's the abundant life that is anyone's to enjoy, and that's the abundant life that translates across the globe. doesn't matter if you're a Christian living in a refugee camp in abject poverty, that is true for you doesn't matter if you're the richest person, if you're a multi-billionaire somewhere, you know, earning big bucks all the day long, that can be true for you as well. It rings true no matter the context. And from the very moment we place our faith in and follow Jesus and then continue to walk with Jesus in life, and then all the way into eternity, that's the abundant life that can be ours through faith. In Jesus Christ Jesus in John 17 verse 3 describes life eternal abundant life in this way Jesus says and this is eternal life that they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent eternal life abundant life life in all its fullness better than we could ever even imagine life, is knowing and enjoying ongoing, ever-deepening relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's abundant life. And what a gift. What a gift. What a life that is for us. As a writer of the ESV Study Bible explains, he says... Jesus calls his followers not to a dour, lifeless, miserable existence that squashes human potential, but to a rich, full, joyful life, one overflowing with meaningful activities under the personal favour and blessing of God and in continual fellowship with his people. That's the kind of life that he wants all of us to find and enjoy in him. You know, if you're here today or you're watching online and, and today's a day where you're, you're considering things, you're seeking spiritual truth, you might not know this. You might even, even as I say it, you might bulk at this and say, no, 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 it can't be that simple. You don't know the quest that I've been on. I've tried everything. I've gone everywhere. I've looked in all the places I am still searching. Well, let me tell you this. This is true, and it can be true for you today. This is the life. This is the life with Jesus that you've been searching for long and hard. You don't need to look any further. Your quest for purpose, your quest for direction in life can come to an end right now, this morning. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he offers you abundant life in him. So if that's you today, if you're seeking spiritual truth, choose today to place your faith in him, and his abundant life will be yours. Okay, so some of us might be thinking now, well, okay, yeah, I I see that. I see that from Scripture. I know that is true, but when push comes to shove, that's not my experience. It's not my experience. I know it here. I can see it in the Scriptures, but for whatever reason, that's not how I experience life with Jesus. I want to experience that, But there are so many things that keep me from drawing near to god and i don't have that rich full fulfilling joyful life with jesus you know friends we've we've looked at some of them in in weeks past but there's so many things that can rob us or keep us from experiencing and taking hold of abundant life with god aren't there? we could run off a whole list right now if we think back to the israelites experience In the Old Testament, if you want like a mental image of the Israelites, I often think of a yo-yo, you know, back and forth, up and down, up and down. You know, follow God, oh we'll go our own way. Oh yeah, we'll repent, be restored. Follow God, oh I think we we know better, go our own way. It's like up and down, back and forth, continually disobeying and rebelling against God over and over again. And the thing is, like for us. If we're honest and we we like being honest, don't we? Because we're in church. And when we're honest, God can move and change our hearts, make us more like him. And as new testament believers, even while having relationship with Jesus and even having God's own spirit residing within us as our helper, even then this too can so often be our pattern, can't it? You know, we can go up and down, up and down or around and around on the sin cycle, if you like. Now, sometimes, and this has been pretty, pretty straight, but we've been honest and straight over the course of this year, when we do this kind of heart examination, this personal heart examination that we've been doing, we recognise that sometimes this is actually our own doing, isn't it? That can be hard to hear, but it's true. At times, we're actually our own worst enemies when it comes to life with Christ. Sometimes we just simply choose to walk away. We choose to go our own way. We choose to rebel against God, and then, unfortunately, we suffer the natural consequences. Feelings of shame, guilt, whatever it is, separation from God, the dour, miserable kind of existence, not the joy-filled one that Jesus has for us. And you think about it, like we're all we're all sinners saved by grace. That's the good news of the gospel, isn't it? And we're often sinners saved by grace who fail to appropriate, like take hold of, get cleansed by and then operate out of the very grace that Jesus offers us. You know, too often it's there to be to be ours and for whatever reason we just we're lazy or we're just distracted or whatever it is, and we just don't take hold of it and get back on track with Jesus. And, con- and we just continue on our own way, getting ourselves more and more and more stuck in destructive patterns. Yeah? Am I alone here? Or? Okay, good. All of us, we all do that from time to time. And the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, He, too, lamented this destructive pattern within his own heart. He knew it all too well. Romans 7, 15 and 19, he says, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Friends, sometimes the simple truth is where, actually, just at fault. We're the ones who keep us from experiencing abundant life with Christ. But I want to suggest probably more than we'd likely either want to recognize or even just naturally recognize, Satan is actually the one who is keeping us from experiencing ongoing abundant life with Christ. More often than we'd probably readily recognize. Satan is the one who is keeping us from life with Christ. Let's read John 10:10 10, 10 again. Jesus says, "The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly." Friends, let, let's not be naive, especially in our very r- rational thinking western world and mindset where things are true if we can grab hold of them and readily understand them and things have to be very present for us to go that they're, they're in existence oh look there's a car there a car exists you know in our western mindset so often this whole notion even of a spiritual realm forces of darkness is very hard for people to grasp and acknowledge but let's not be naive satan is real Satan is a thief, and he wants to steal and kill and destroy each and every one of us. That's his mission in life. What a horrible mission. But that is his mission in life, and he works hard at it on a daily basis. He is working to steal and kill and destroy you. He wants nothing more than for you to get caught up in anything, any other thing any pursuit, any experience, any earthly temporary pleasure, not even necessarily bad things, sometimes the very best earthly things, so that you will never, ever take hold of and experience the riches of ongoing abundant life that's on offer through Christ. Has anyone ever read um, C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters before? It's a, it's a great read. It's a brilliant novel. It's certainly not the easiest book to read, but it is sensational if you can get your head around it. What, what this, this book records is some fictional conversations between two tempters in Satan's low of hell. I love that. C.S. Lewis is great. The low of hell. And the the two tempters are, are related to one another one is an uncle and one's a nephew and the the younger one he's obviously inexperienced and he's a little bit incompetent and he's getting counsel or advice on how to do derail followers of jesus or followers of the enemy as he puts it from his more experienced tempter Screwtape. and throughout the book Wormwood and screw tape, they try a range of different attempts and techniques to tempt one of God's followers, the person they, they refer to as the patient in the book. And what they're doing basically is that they're, they're doing everything they possibly can to stop this patient pursuing and enjoying ongoing, abundant life with Christ. That's that's what it is. That's it in a nutshell. You read that, that's what they're trying to do. And they're hoping, they're hoping that through their temptations, that this patient would extend, in, instead, get caught up in looking for, and hopefully, in their way of thinking, finding life elsewhere, other than in the enemy. Well, Wormwood sends some pretty, as an inexperienced and probably pretty on fire tempter, he sends some pretty wicked and obvious temptations the patient's way, while screw who's considerably wiser, more experienced in the art of tempting. He sends far more subtle temptations the patient's way. Screwtape describes his approach like this. And I encourage you, as I read this, recognise that this is how Satan so often, this is how Satan more often than not works to keep us from experiencing the abundant life in Christ too. Here's what Screwtape says. He says, It does not matter how small the sins are, provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. Murder is no better than cards if cards can do the trick. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Friends, Satan is incredibly cunning. And I'd say more often than not, attempts to steal, kill, and destroy us in incredibly subtle ways. Yeah? Has anyone known that from experience? Sometimes Satan tempts us to accept that certain patterns of thinking are true when they're actually not. Uh, You know, for instance, if you're in a busy season of life like I currently am, with young, dependent children, you're raising kids, you're doing your best to see them flourish into the young kids who follow and love Jesus, and yet, little by little, experience by experience, Satan often will try and tempt us when we're in this season, of dwelling on how busy we are. Isn't that such a trap? How busy we are, which over time might lead us to think things that actually aren't true. like Things like this. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just so busy with the kids. I, I, I really just don't have time to give up my Sundays to attend church regularly anymore. I mean, God's given me these kids. They're, they're my priority. I I, I just don't have time. I I just need, I'm really tired. I need to stay home three out of four Sundays to rest. You know what I mean? Like, that's how Satan works, subtly, little by little. Or maybe he says, like, I'm just so busy in this season, God's given me these kids to primarily care for. True, that's true. And then the lie. I, I couldn't possibly care for or spend any time investing in any other one at this season of life. You know what I mean? Very subtle challenges, all things that can steal, can kill, and ultimately, left unchecked, can destroy and rob us of abundant life in Christ. And here's the thing, friends, abundant life in Christ is abundant life vertically, but it's also abundant life this way, too, with one another, can rob us of Christian community, the joys of meaningful, deep connections with other people who love Jesus. Another common thing that, that Satan attempts to do is to cause us to think that we're beyond help because of our sin, that we're beyond help. We might be in a situation where we're really struggling under the weight of our sin, our circumstances, little by little, moment by moment. Satan tempts us not only to, to sit with and process our sin and brokenness, because who knows that's an important thing. We do that to then repent, and go the right way again, yeah? But what he does is he tempts us to not only sit with it, but then to wallow in it. To sit there too long with the wrong way of looking at things and missing sight of Jesus saying, hey guys, come back to me. Forgiveness is found in me. Come on, I want to restore you. I want to come follow me again. And he causes us to sit there and wallow, and then over time... This actually leads us to feeling completely demoralized. Like we are just we're just we're distraught. We we got no hope and we're stuck in that place of wallowing in our sin and brokenness. And then believing things that simply aren't true. Things like oh well, God couldn't possibly love someone like me. God couldn't possibly love someone like me or I'm too stuck. I'm too far gone. How could I possibly be worthy? of God's forgiveness. How could I ever come close to God again? He wouldn't even want to know me. Yeah? That is how Satan subtly works to steal and kill and destroy us of abundant life in Christ and abundant life with one another, too. Yeah, you get you get the picture. More often than not, Satan Sure, we might get some pretty obvious temptations from time to time, but probably 99 times out of 100, Satan is actively working to derail and to kill and destroy us in very subtle ways that we might not even be aware are at play. And Satan uses any possible opportunity he can, even good things in and of themselves. You know, our our quest to be the best... Christian wife or Christian husband that we could possibly be, or working hard to provide for your family, or to give extra money to support missionaries overseas, or working in your workplace with your best efforts for God's glory. All great things, but he might actually just use them to subtly consume and distract and keep you from taking hold of and enjoying the full, abundant, meaningful, endlessly fulfilling spiritual life in Christ. John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And here's the good news, friends. Friends, while Satan continually works to take life from us, Jesus has worked and continues to work to see us find life for the first time or to find abundant life in him over and over and over again. That is the good news. So if you're seeking spiritual truth today, if you've been on a journey of looking here, there, and everywhere for for meaning, purpose, and life, hear this as good news today. Jesus longs to give you his gift of abundant life today, right now, today, as you place your faith in him. It's a gift that can be enjoyed today, it's a gift that will be enjoyed each and every day of your life, however many days you've been allotted. And it'll be one that will continue to be a gift to enjoy into eternity as you faithfully follow him. So if that's you today, come to him and trust him afresh or for the first time today. And if you're with us today and you know, you'd consider yourself a, a follower of Jesus, perhaps you're in a place where you're just feeling completely stuck You're feeling overwhelmed. And maybe even as as you've been listening and Holy Spirit's been working on your heart, you've, you've realized that maybe some of where you're at is actually as a result of your own poor choices. Like you're going, oh, great. I'm actually at fault here. I've had a big part to play in this mess. And so if that's you, hear this today as really good news. Jesus wants to restore you to find life and to take hold of it and enjoy it again in the, into the future in relationship with him. Or perhaps you've come to just see how much of an influence Satan's been having of, uh, in your life of late. And as you evaluate where your heart's at right now, you're kind of feeling those, those big feelings of guilt, of maybe shame, condemnation. And remember Romans 8.1 in this, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Remember that? You see that Satan has actually been subtly influencing and seeking to derail your very life. Yeah? Robbing you of the abundant life. So if that's you, I've got good news for you today too. Jesus wants to break any hold or influence of Satan off your life And restore you so you can experience ongoing, ever deepening, fulfilling, better than you could even imagine, spiritual life and relationship with him. That's good news. So what we're going to do now is is we're just going to have a time of prayer ministry. We're going to have a time just to to wait on Holy Spirit together for for just a moment. And then as, as he leads you, we're just going to respond. And so if, if, you're, if you're feeling like, you know what, I just, I just really need some prayer. I, do, I feel a bit stuck, but I want prayer and I wanna believe that Jesus can provide breakthrough, come forward, we'd love to pray for you. If you're seeking spiritual truth and you're like, well, I've tried everything else, maybe I'll give Jesus a go. Well, I encourage you, come and do that. Come and meet Jesus today and receive abundant life from him. No matter where you're at today, let's all respond in whatever way, as God leads. Let's just pray. Thank you, Jesus.